0: While You Were Folding, Episode 34, Summer Structure. Hi, I'm Catherine Boucher, and you're listening to While You Were Folding. This show is my weekly excuse to talk about my favorite things. Marriage, parenting, faith, friendship, culture, what I'm reading and watching, and whatever else strikes my fancy. I've been a wife for 11 years and a mother for nine. I won't pretend to be an expert. I will introduce you to some amazing guests, ask a whole bunch of questions, invite you into the conversation, and encourage you to share what you heard while you were folding. Let's start with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the gift of this summer season. Please continue to bless this time. And for all those who are traveling, please continue to bless everyone with some safe travels. Help all of us to embrace the ordinary, the quiet, and even the boringness of some of these long summer days. And during this time, for those of us who have a little bit more time on our hands, help us to remember that you are the ultimate creator and that you've created us in your image and likeness. So because of that, we are also creators and help us to during this time, the summer season to really embrace our creativity and to get back in touch with whatever it is that recharges us the creative gifts that you've given each of us that glorify you. Help us to remember that we are creators and that doing those creative things not only helps to glorify you, but can help to bring us to life a little bit more fully. So help us to remember that. Continue continue to watch over us. And we ask these things through your name. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So hello. Um, Thank you, first of all, so much for your warm uh, reception of the podcast coming back. It's so much fun to get back to doing this again. I hope you're enjoying the new format that it's completely imperfect. We'll have probably some interruptions tonight while I'm recording. I do have Monty, my dog, at my feet again, so you'll probably hear him in the background. Gloria, our new baby, is upstairs with Philip and... We're still nursing, so she might decide that she's hungry here at some point. So I'm going to try and be as speedy as I can. So, um, summer is off to a great start at our house, and I'll be sharing a little bit about uh, what we're doing around here that's been helping us to keep summer as peaceful and relatively smooth as possible. And I'm trying to think what else is new since the last time I recorded. We got to celebrate an early Father's Day with my side of the family over the weekend, and it was so much fun. We have an annual golf tournament honoring my mom's dad each year, and his name is Mel. And so we affectionately call this mini golf tournament that we have every year, The Mel. Since we have a nursing baby and we live an hour away from everyone else, we decided, Philip and I decided, that we weren't going to play this year, which was a bummer. Um, But everyone had a really great time, and we got together for dinner afterward, and uh, Philip and I brought the kids up, and we were able to meet up with everyone. And it's so much fun to get together, and my grandpa, oh my goodness, I hope I am in in as good of shape as he is at his age. I am embarrassed to say I do not know his exact age off the top of my head. I want to say he's 94, 95, but he still tries to get out there and play golf as much as he can during the summer months in Nebraska. Unfortunately, we don't have a lot of great weather months for him to be able to play golf, but he is the man. And I am happy to report that his team won the Mel and he was so happy about it, but More than anything, it's just so much fun to get together with our family. So we had a nice time getting together. But otherwise, not too much to report around here. Summer is off to a really great start. And I wish I had some feedback to give you about last week's episode, but I am trying to record ahead of the game so that I can keep releasing things on a weekly basis. So I'm actually recording this next episode before the first episode feedback is going to start rolling in. So I haven't heard back from those of you who are going to be sending in your books or shows or things that you've been reading that have been challenging you. But I'll be sure and pass those along as you send them my way. But I wanted to be sure and pass along a title that I am loving right now. And I'm actually rereading it. It's Brene Brown's book. And when I say book, it's actually an audio book. It's called The Power of Vulnerability. And if you haven't heard of Brene Brown before, she is a um, shame and guilt researcher, and she is phenomenal. I love her approach. She's very down to earth. She's a She likes to say that she's a fifth generation Texan. She's very no nonsense and is very straightforward, but she's also very... Um, empathetic and gentle. And in this book, she, as the title kind of clues you in, she's talking about vulnerability. And the audio book is actually a six session audio recording of a presentation that she gave. I don't know where it was, but it's phenomenal. And I just finished re-listening to the first session from The Power of Vulnerability, and I'll put the note in the, the uh, link to the book in the show notes. And something that really stood out to me that I wanted to share was her talking about the idea that we can only love others as much as we love ourselves. And she said that a lot of times when she shares that, that result of her research, that that's true, that a lot of times it's parents who object to that idea and they object to it because they say, well, that can't possibly be true because I love my kids so much more than myself. And I think a lot of us would assume that that's really the case because we see people, especially women that I know who act like martyrs and they put their kids' needs above theirs, but that's not really what she's talking about. She's talking about how We really need to be able to love ourselves in order to be empathetic and be vulnerable with other people. So, she shared a story that really jumped out at me that really made a lot of sense when we think about loving our kids as much as we love ourselves. And she talked about how at one point her 13 year old daughter came home from school and she shared that she had been excluded from a lunch table and how sad that that made her. And the author, Brene Brown, she said that her first impulse was to respond with shame and ridicule and to look at her daughter and to see her disheveled hair and to want to say, well, why didn't you brush your hair, get your hair out of your face? Or why did you wear that shirt that doesn't fit you right, or maybe isn't super cute? And she realized that the reason that she did that was because she instantly remembered when her daughter was talking about being excluded at the lunch table, how she had the exact same experience when she was growing up and how hurtful that that was. And she recognized how difficult and um, not natural it was for her to become vulnerable and share those feelings with her and to actually hear the hurt feelings that her daughter had. And in order to love someone else, the whole point is that we have to be vulnerable. We have to be willing to figure out what things are setting us off, why we're having big, powerful emotional responses, and to be willing to be vulnerable in those moments so that we can be free to love the other person. So that was a really powerful insight for me as a mom of five young kids, especially Uh, these three young girls that I'm raising that have really big emotional needs at different points. And the boys have obviously big emotions at different times. But uh, now that our oldest is a girl and she's nine going into fourth grade, I'm really starting to see the emotional power dynamics that are at play in her peer groups and how, how in a lot of ways, she's so much more in tune With that, then my son, who's just a year younger than her, is, and that's going to be really important for me going forward to remember that when I'm feeling a really big emotional response to whatever it is that my kids bring to me, that me being a woman, oftentimes I'm going to identify with what my daughters bring to me. And it's going to be so essential that I'm willing to be vulnerable. I'm willing to really figure out, okay, why am I having this huge response to this thing that you're telling me? And more than likely it's going to be because it requires me to be vulnerable and to talk about when it's appropriate, when there's something going on there. So I just thought that I'd share that. Um, since last episode, I talked about something that was challenging me. And that book has been really powerful for me. So check it out. I definitely recommend it. It's Brene Brown's The Power of Vulnerability. And again, I'll link to that in the show notes. All right, summer structure. I thought I would share really quickly something that's been working great for our family lately. And this is a (laughs) As always, not me saying that I'm a parenting expert or a pro. It's just something that's been working really great at our house. Who knows, maybe next week it'll be a total disaster. (laughs) But a couple weeks into summer, it's going really well. So I wanted to be sure and share it with you. It is a way that we wanted to make sure and limit screen time and increase the kids' responsibilities and keep their basic school skills like math and reading and writing keep all that stuff fresh. And we really don't have a lot going on around here in terms of ongoing lessons or camps, with the exception of a couple of things that we signed up for. So we're keeping the calendar pretty quiet. And I wanted to have a loose framework, a loose structure, a way for us to keep our days ordered so that it didn't feel like we had just these ongoing huge chunks of time without any sort of structure to it. Because my kids, if your kids are anything like mine, they do better when they have at least a loose framework of knowing what's going to come next for the day. So this was our way of coming up with a system to try and uh, (laughs) help me maintain the illusion that we have some sort of order around here. So I thought I'd just go over that quickly and share it in the hopes of starting a conversation to find out what's going on at your house and what's working for you. So our system... I decided to come up with Philip. We came up with a small list for each kid of different chores, responsibilities, whatever you want to call them. Um, things that each kid could do on a daily basis. And the idea behind our system is that each kid has their own little list. And at the end of the, each day, if you have completed all of the things on your list, then you earn a coin. And the coin goes towards screen time. If you get one coin, you can cash it in to watch one show. And when we say one show, the kids understand that that means like a one regular length PBS kids episode of something. So usually they're like 23 minutes long. And then if you turn in two coins, you can watch two shows or three coins. Isn't like a 90 minute Disney movie kind of idea. And there's a jar for each of the kids to put their coins in, and um, all of the kids' chores are different, they're age-appropriate, and the best part about it is that they're able to do them themselves without me really having to supervise the different jobs. And yes, I had to scaffold, and being the teacher, you know the word scaffolding, The you have to Keep an eye on things in the beginning, teach them how to do the thing and then slowly limit your involvement so that they're able to do it on their own. So like Dorothy, for example, has taken on the job of filling Monty's food and water dishes. So in the beginning, I had to show her, okay, this is exactly how much you put in for food. And this is how full you put the water and you have to walk slowly with the bowl so it doesn't fall over and all of those little things. And now she's able to do it completely on her own without any supervision. And each kid is responsible for checking off their charts. And then they turn in the coins as they want to use them. And if they've completed all their chores at the end of the day, they earn a St. coin. And if they didn't do it, they don't earn a St. coin. And I love it because I have very limited involvement during the day with monitoring things every now and then. I'll say, hey, make sure you check in where you are with your things to make sure you're done with all of your jobs by the end of the day. But I've told the kids, I'm not going to nag you. And if I do have to nag you, then you're not going to earn the Saint coin for the day. And if you have forgotten to do something at the end of the day, then that's on you and you will not earn your coin towards screen time. And it encourages the kids to keep things up and it's really easy to maintain and it keeps the kids doing the things that I want them to be doing anyway during the summer. So I'll go through a couple of examples of things that we put on the on the um, chore charts. And I have, Philip actually created these on Google Sheets. And so I can share a link to the actual chore chart file in the show notes so that you can see them. And you can, I think I can ask Philip to make it editable so that you can create your own from our template. Um, So let's see here, Jane and Walt, some examples from there. So they're going into third grade and fourth grade. So a couple things that we thought were age appropriate for them were to do math flashcards for 15 minutes each day to read for 30 minutes each day. Jane has to wash and load the dishwasher and she wipes down the powder room sink. And oh, (laughs) this is a funny one. She has to pick up the poop on the deck because our dog Monty, who you hear in the podcast from time to time, he likes to poop on the deck. He doesn't like to go in the yard because... He's uh, awesome. So (laughs) she picks it up every day. And her and Walt are both supposed to move their bodies for 30 minutes each day to get some exercise. Some examples from Harold's chore chart. He's going, he's five years old. He's almost six. Um, He vacuums the kitchen floor every day using our cordless little vacuum. And he's supposed to do some workbook time to do some basic math and writing practice. And he's supposed to make his bed. Those are a couple of his things. And then Dorothy, who's three, she, as I already mentioned, she fills Monty's food and water dishes, makes her bed, and she tidies her bedroom floor. So there's some examples there of the things that the kids do. Um, But why I love it, I already said it's minimal supervision. They're already doing the things that I want them to do. It makes screen time a reward instead of just something that's constantly happening as they demand it. And they know that it's more of a reward. It's an event. It's something that's special instead of the default of us turning on the TV. Um, And it's actually really helpful. The kids are doing things. That are really helping us during the day. To have Jane be able to start on the dishes so that I can get to nurse Dorothy, nurse Dorothy, nurse Gloria, or um, do something else, fold a load of laundry is really great. And it gives them a sense of accomplishment. It makes them feel like they're contributing to the family, and it's a win for everyone. And the other thing is it gives Philip and I a little bit more leverage because now we also have the power to take away the the coins if they do something negative, if there's some sort of bad behavior and we really want to send the message that it's not acceptable. So if it's a big infraction, then we'll threaten or actually take away a coin. And for them, that is a fate worse than death. <laughs> so... So far so good. It's working really well. As far as the actual logistics of how we, where we've put things and everything, the chore charts, we printed them off. We made them on Google Sheets. And for the younger kids, for Harold and Dorothy, who can't read yet, we used pictures. And we created little check boxes next to the pictures so that they could check off when they were done with the job. Jane and Walt are going into third and fourth grade. So we actually wrote out, typed out with words what their jobs are. So we printed those off and we laminated them so that they can use dry erase markers to check off the jobs for each day. And then the charts are actually stuck to mini clipboards that we've attached to the refrigerator with magnetic tape. And then when the kids have earned a coin for all of the things that they've done that day, then they get to put a coin into a little jar. They're just little tiny plastic jars that I found on Amazon with screw on lids, and the kids decorated their jars with stickers so they know that they know whose jar is whose and the coins are super awesome they're actually my favorite part about it, and you can use whatever you want. You could use marbles if your kids will not actually try and swallow them. And (laughs) speaking of which, (laughs) if you follow me on social media, when I said coins, you were probably really concerned because you saw that our son, Harry, (laughs) put a penny up his nose last weekend and removed it. And sorry, he did not remove it. My husband had to remove it um, on our kitchen counter using some special pediatric tool. I don't know what it's called, but No, we do not use actual money coins. We use these big, they're probably like an inch, inch and a half in diameter, wooden discs. And the images that are on top of them, I call them saint coins. I got the images that I printed off um, from Happy Saints. And I made these several years ago, probably like five or six years ago. I'm going to have to look online to make sure they still make them. If they do... Um, I'll put a link to them in the show notes. You just buy the digital file, and then you can print them off. They're circular badges, Happy Saint badges. And I just printed them off, glued them to the wooden discs that I got from a craft store, and then I sprayed them with like a decoupage spray. And the kids love these things because they're these cute cartoon images of their favorite saints, and each of the coins has a different... has the saint's name at the bottom and each picture has something that makes it clear which saint it is. So maybe a specific symbol like a lily or a shamrock for St. Patrick or things like that. And they're super cute and they just reinforce what the kids already know about the saints. And they like to compare who has which saint and they love it. So I keep that jar that's full of the St. Coins up out of reach so that there's no monkey business. No one's trying to cheat. (laughs) And then the kids keep their own jars for their coins on the kitchen counter. So so that's the overall system. I hope I explained it in a way that makes sense. Let me know if you have any questions, but it's working really well. It's off to a great start. Again, it's limiting the screen time. It's helping the kids to be more helpful and just to Keep their bodies moving and to keep up with basic schoolwork skills. But I would love to know how your summer is going and what's working at your house, how you're creating some structure or structure ish, or maybe you don't have any structure at all, and your children are completely different than mine and they do much better without any sort of structure. So, what's working? What's not? What's epically failing? And let me know if you have something to share. Maybe that would benefit my family or other listeners. And you can always send those to me at podcast at katherineboucher.com or send them to me on social media. Also, I have a question for you. I'm going to be recording an upcoming episode with a great guest talking about NFP. But in preparation for that episode and... Um, I'm going to be meeting with a couple of people in the diocese just to talk through how we can better serve people in the diocese in the area of fertility, infertility, NFP, marriage preparation. I want to know what's going on in your area. How's your diocese supporting couples that are preparing for marriage or maybe are struggling with infertility or secondary infertility? What about, um, for couples who are trying to space kids or maybe they have what I like to call uber fertility, please, please, please let me know what's happening in your area and what's working and what you would like to have, what kind of support you're needing in this area. Again, you can send all of that feedback to me at podcast at Until next time, don't be afraid to begin again and share what you heard while you were folding.